here at Clark, at Clark Atlanta, I've heard the numbers are eight to two. For every two black males, there's eight females. Um, we've got to do something about that number. Uh, as I alluded to, 1.4 million black males in prison. When you look at white America, right now, there are 125,000 white males in prison. 125,000. As I was saying, every 90 seconds of the day, a black child is born to a teen mother who will never finish high school. Every 90 seconds of the day, a black child is born in poverty. Every 40 minutes of the day, a black male is suspended from class. Every 40 minutes of the day, a black male is convicted of a violent crime. So the question begs asking, we got a choice. You all, and we know about choice, brother. We know about choice. You can accept the circumstances as they are. Or, this is what I'm posing to your generation, you can take the responsibility to change them. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast. It's your boy Rodney Perry, King himself, and you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. I'm actually uh, not only being joined by my guests for this evening, but also the great people who join us on EXO TV. It's a new app, new partnership that I have uh, with this it's a brand new app based out of um, Greensboro, North Carolina, but I think the founder and um, founding developer is actually from Chicago. So shout out, shout out. Um, so we are diving into something really special. This is going to be, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not sure which episode is going to be. Well, I'll, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. We're on the road to 100. That's the, that's the real goal. We're on the road to 100 episodes. You know what I'm saying? We're so close right now, so it feels good. But the person that I have here with me today is someone that I've known for quite some time. Lily met him when he was young, and I was still fairly damn young. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it's you know, go back, go back like a you know a long time ago. And it's crazy when you think about it, like mm -hmm. how long it you in college and how much time has passed. Like it's a trippy experience to think Six, I was. Yeah, I was, I was. It's seven years ago. I was yeah. a freshman. Like yeah. it's trippy as hell. Okay. But today I have a Chicago transplant, but Georgia native. Mm -hmm. Clark Atlanta University uh, alum, as well as University of Chicago alum, and current educator right here on the south side of Chicago. I have with me Dante Thrasher. I'm going to turn the camera over to him, you know what I'm saying? Going to get a good little shot. That's, that's, anything, little obstructions? You need to move that right oh, there. Yeah, yeah, that there we go. Obstruction. Yeah, there we all good. But no, how you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. good. Feeling good? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I, this is long overdue, but I'm glad it's happening when it's happening because, you know, there's so much stuff that happens when mm -hmm. I've noticed every time I don't have a don't record with somebody when I want to or when I first think of it, think up, think of it. Yeah. Um, it's something that stops it, but also it's so much more to talk about after the fact. It's like this happened. It's, it's like it was stalled for a reason. And I do feel like that now because it's so much going on. Right. right and right, and it's right, like right. you wasn't even finished. Yeah. And now you finish. Yeah, I'm done. And you and like you doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it adds even more layers to it. Cause when I wrote this, when I first wrote this, this was a minute ago. Really? Yeah, this was like this was the episode I did with Damo. 
right here on this side of the book. Mm-hmm. And I put this out around the time Trump was saying, talking about fake news for the first time. So that tell you how long ago it was. You know what I'm saying? That was I wrote I wrote started writing yours before I started writing this one. Mm-hmm. So that'll tell you kind of like how long it's been on my mind type shit. But um, but I, I think that's my that's been my I think I've delved delve into this type of process even more than late. Like just literally writing outlines before I even bring them to people because it's it's an easy way to pitch shit. But anywho, as y'all see, this is this is the bro. So I'm gonna try my best not to banter too much and stick to the to the subject. But it's all good. Banter away, man. Yes. Uh, shout out to everyone who's been supporting. Shout out to everyone that's been listening. I really appreciate all the support I've been getting. It's been dope. It's been what's up. Uh, what we're gonna talk about today is something that I believe uh, it's not only topical, timeless, and timely at the same damn time. It's a subject matter that I feel like we all have to deal with, no matter you know. What what you know what you what your ethnicity is? I think it's something that we mm-hmm. all have to do in an interesting way. Um, and I want to talk. I want to first start out with somebody that is a very well known individual. Unless you just are you know living under a rock or just really don't know nothing about your own history. I understand there's still a lot of people still in the dark about a lot of things when it comes to Black history. But I want to start out with a. So, you know, sociologist as well as educator W.B. Du Bois had this specific concept that I would like to share with you guys. Um, and he had this concept called double consciousness, which you've heard of too, bro, right? Yes, sir. So, double consciousness. And I'm reading this from Kristen Does Theory, which is kind of like this little blog that kind of wrote out this uh, kind of this the idea. It's a lot of direct quotes from Uh, Du Bois' works. And I'll read. Double consciousness is a concept that Du Bois first explores in 1903 in the publication Souls of Black Folks. If you know anything about him, that was one of his connecting pieces. And it's probably, this thing is so famous, you could probably literally buy it on iBooks for like $2. So that's how like, in like how much it was published back then. Like this was like bestsellers before bestsellers. Mm-hmm. Um, double consciousness describes the individual sensation of feeling as though your identity is divided into several parts, making it difficult or impossible to have one unified identity. Du Bois spoke of this within the context of race relations in the United States. He asserted that since American blacks have lived in a society that has historically repressed and devalued them, that is becomes difficult for them to unify their black identity with their American identity. Mm. Um, Double consciousness forces blacks to not only view themselves from their own unique perspective, but also view themselves as they might be perceived by the outside white world. Mm. (laughs) And this is what Du Bois spoke of. And um, I think it's something that is pretty damn interesting. Um, What do you think about that? Man, I think it's uh, like this theory in itself. It's factual. Mm-hmm. It's nothing but facts. Um, speak from speaking from my own experience. Uh, I don't know. Did you want me to start from the, from the beginning, or you want me to, like start? I want you to. I want you to do do, okay, do, cool. do what come to you, bro. Um, I'm not gonna stop no show. Well, I think I think the first time I've ever uh, experienced that 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 twoness or that 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 um, that otherness. Um, that he's talking about mm-hmm. stubble consciousness uh, was when I was in high school um, most of my life uh, I grew up on the south side of 
Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, in suburbs. Um, and so most of my life, I grew up around black people uh, up until about about ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved to this town called Hampton, which is not too far from Atlanta. And uh, we went to school. I went to school with white people for the first time. And it's the first time I actually inter- interacted with uh, white people, mm-hmm. um, at least like in, in like on a large scale. Yep. And uh, I found myself like switching up like the way I spoke. Um, mm. Like I've never really had like a lot of, I, I was telling you this before um, we started, I never really had too much of a Southern accent yeah. for some reason, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I felt myself like speaking in, on what, speaking in what most people call like like a white person or speaking uh, white. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Like the first time, I, I, I don't think I noticed it until I got a little older. Of course, when I was doing this, mm-hmm. um, but it would be so unconscious and it would be so natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it just it's it's like it was just ingrained in me. Um, and I think the boys is onto something. It 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 is it is something that is deeply embedded within us. Hell yeah. Um, to the point where it's very difficult to to one catch it. Yep. Um, and two, stop it. Yeah. Because um, I still do it. Yeah. Uh, even though, like, I'm weary of it, I'm aware of it, and I'm just like, man, like, I got to stop this. Like, I got to just be my whole black self, no mm-hmm. matter who's around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've been able to do that um, to a degree. Yep. But I still find myself, like, um, you know, when, I, when, I, when I'm speaking to, especially when I'm in group, and I'm, like, the only black person, um, which happened later on as I as I went to, to graduate school. Yeah. I found myself in these all white spaces yeah. where uh, it was very obvious like that, you know, people were looking at me like, oh, this is this is the black guy in the room. Or at least I felt that way. Mm. It's like this this feeling like everyone is just like waiting on you to say something in discussion. If we're talking about France Fanon or we're talking about mm. uh, any other black intellectual, I feel like there's like this it's like this stare or this this mm. expectation rather from mm. everyone, every white person in the room for me to say something. Um, and I've had oh, professors oh, like, like oh, we talking about the black thing. Yeah, you like got, you know, you got something I, to say. I, I've had professors like say like Dante, do you have anything to say about this? And I'm just like, no, like no, <laughs> I have I, nothing to say. I actually do. You not. know, I don't want to. I feel like you expect me to say something, I, mm-hmm. and, and therefore I don't want to say anything at all. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah. But as I went on to uh, like grad school, man, like it was like, it, it was like tenfold. Mm-hmm. So I, and it was like I was talking to them every day. Like this is who I'm around every single day on a daily basis. And so it's it's like I got lost in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I started to engage with other black people that I noticed that I had been doing it for so long. Mm. Uh, and and I, when I when I sat down and reflected on it, I felt like dang, like I feel lost. I feel like I'm I'm living like. A double life, like I'm living a lie, like I'm mm-hmm. like I'm two faced, like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, does every black person go through this? And I, I, I like, at one point, I'm like, dang, am I the only person doing this? Like, mm. what's wrong with me? You know? Uh, and I'm just continuously thinking. I think another part of double double consciousness is uh, also thinking that in some ways, like you're inferior, so you have to behave or speak in ways because you're constantly trying to prove yourself as a black person that mm. you're supposed to be in this space. See. For me, I feel like he exposed a part of black evolution, mm-hmm. but also a sense of, it's the best way to say it, like, 
it was indoctrination, but also evolution. Mm-hmm. Because I believe we learned what to do based off of what we seen was, I guess, accepted. Mm-hmm. So and also what they were telling us that was accepted. So mm-hmm. it's like the good Negro and you got to be like this. You got to yeah. be like that. Be yeah. non-threatening. So we were taking on the I guess really the instructions of, you know, the populace mm-hmm. and the majority. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we did it and we complied and we were complicit to do it because why? We want to survive, which is what evolution is. You you want to. So I think that's why it's so ingrained. And so in, mm-hmm. and like even if your parents don't actively say it to you, mm-hmm. you get into these spaces and you immediately just mold into it because you know that you don't you know, you know what you don't want to be. Right. And even if you just do it innocently, I think it still happens. I think it can still you still can get to that point even when you don't try to, because mm-hmm. I think it's also about the people around you and how they perceive you right. and how they treat you, too. Right. So you're going to reflect off that, too. Mm-hmm. But that shit crazy, though. That's Man, it, it really is. And like the fact that we have to live like that, I feel it, it, it it's like one of the telltale signs of like what of like the extent of the trauma we've endured. Like it's almost like a like a generational thing. Yeah. Uh, it's passed down. And it's like in yeah. order to survive epigenetics, we've adapted mm-hmm. um, to do these things that in many ways I feel like it's unnatural. It's extremely unnatural. Very unnatural. Extremely unnatural. I think unnatural. J. Cole might have said that in, um, His, in the album. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was KOD or the, the one before that, but I remember him saying something like that. Um, I can't quote the line verbatim, but I remember thinking like, man, that that is in the line with double consciousness. Yeah. And I started thinking like, man, like, like that's real. I, for all, all who are listening, understand that double consciousness can come about in so many different forms. Mm-hmm. And like, I think what you speak of, you know, is the best example of like code switching mm-hmm. and like not realizing that you're code switching when you're mm-hmm. doing it. You're just you you just think you're just talking. You just think it's like I'm not doing nothing mm-hmm. out of the norm. I'm not doing nothing that's too crazy or nothing like that. I'm literally just speaking as I thought I'm supposed to speak right. kind of. But I think the when in Rome do as the Romans thing, mm-hmm. I think it's so ingrained to how black people are mm-hmm. and we will mold ourselves to whatever the situation is, yes, to, to be the most effective within the situation. Yes, or sometimes, sadly enough, to even be useful in the situation. Mm-hmm. Because I think there is this element of, you know, being unseen mm-hmm. when it comes to blackness. It's like, you don't you don't see our issues. You don't mm-hmm. believe our lives are really that hard. You mm-hmm. don't believe all these different things. So when we do get into these spaces, when we do see the table, we want to sit there. Yeah. We do what we got to do to sit there. Yeah. One question I do want to ask before we jump into, uh, we kind of get into your very um, kind of like mixed um, education. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you think of, uh, I almost late, lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, I think I lost my train of thought. Let's, ju- <laughs> let's jump into it if it comes back to me. So good. But um, so you were, you were a graduate of HBCU mm-hmm. in addition to um Damn near Ivy League, you know what I'm saying? That's how people definitely see it. You know, it's a lot of connections. Obama has connections with, you know, University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. A lot of great individuals who have came from there. And it's right smack dab and probably one of the most diverse uh, neighborhoods within Chicago, yes, uh, which is something to say because if you've ever been to Chicago, it's not that damn diverse. You know, it's definitely, uh, what's the best way to say it? It's, it's a... 
trying to think of it's like a, to it's, a way to explain it. Like, you know how people talk about, like, you know, melting pot. America's a melting pot and a mm-hmm. stew of just all these different things, but it's all in one pot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's like... It's Chicago like, is like a salad. It's like a separated plate, low key. Yeah, it's like yeah. Like it's you like got, you got the greens right here. You got your greens. Here. You got the, you know the joint with the indented you know things in it with every compartment mm-hmm. of your plate. Exactly. So none of your greens is touching your yams mm-hmm. and your cornbread not getting soggy from the you know the, the you know the green juice. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a cafeteria tray. It's a cafeteria tray. That's the best way to describe it. And the food on it, half of it's good. <laughs> half of it is you like, which is just like a cafeteria tray. You know, uh, you cool with the little chocolate milk, you cool so with the little bullshit pizza or the little bullshit burger, but these like, so real, these tots or these fries kind of ass or whatever else might be kind of ass and you might got a cookie. Mm-hmm. So you like half your tray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, um, so you, first question I have for you is like, I did a, um, a focus group about um, if, I think I was like maybe a junior or sophomore, and they talked about, do is there still a reason to have HBCUs? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the boys, within his sense of double consciousness, he led a life and he also spoke out a life that he felt that would be the most beneficial to Americans within that time, black mm-hmm. Americans within that time, and that was one of, to for all of us to go to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Every single black American to go to HBCU for undergrad. But he was about education. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, he was not just thinking like, everybody just needs to go, like which is kind of ahead of his time, mm-hmm. to think that everyone needs to not only go to school, but we need to like have multiple degrees. Mm-hmm. So we go there, but, uh, but for graduate school, which we should, because we should always go even deeper into our discipline is what he think, what he, what his ideology was. Mm-hmm. We should go to a white school. Hence, mm-hmm. what he did. Hence, why he is famous he for Harvard, him. Right. And he was the first person to ever get a PhD from Harvard. Mm-hmm. So, and he was even. It was even. <laughs> I can only imagine the, the, the how much he had to go through. Mm-hmm. But they didn't accept. I think he had to do. He was in a two year program that took him three years to do, mm-hmm. because they didn't accept uh, some of his uh, credentials from Fisk. Mm-hmm. So he had to stay even longer, <laughs> um, but still did the shits. You know what I'm saying? So, ta-da. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he speaks on this, and I think so many people try to challenge this now because so many African-Americans have not chosen, you know. Yeah. Like you have George State, who I don't know why the fuck they brag on this, but they brag about how we graduate the most you know, African American yeah. black students in in the country and oh, in the country. Yeah, so oh, I know it's the country. Yeah, they graduate the most. Oh wow! At one, I think it was like two years in a row. That's cool. You think it was like two years in a row, but it's like also it's like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Also, half of them started at HBCU. That's real. So it's like it's some contextual <laughs> shit in there, but I'm not gonna get too deep <laughs> on that. Do you believe that there still is a purpose for HBCUs now in the days mm-hmm. we're living in? I, the first, just off the top, yes. Mm. Like, off top, yes. Um, HBCUs, uh, I mean, they were started to combat the, you know, I mean, well, essentially because we weren't even getting in these shit. white schools. And shit. so, I mean, they were trying to have this separate but equal thing going on. And um, I still think that there's a need because uh, I mean even though Georgia State is, is graduating 
the most black kids in the country. I think in, in, in whole, collectively, HBCUs still graduate the most uh, doctors, lawyers, PhDs, mm. any other institution, if I'm not mistaken. At least last time. Oh, yeah, no, no, you said like HBCU still graduate? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's the truth. Yeah, in specific specifications. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, I think most black black PhD students mm-hmm. come from HBCU still. Most, most MBAs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. den- and I think dentists, and I think it was lawyers too. Mm-hmm. And I feel that. If that is not corrected, um, then there's still going to be that need there. And, and even if the need isn't there, I feel like just for the simple fact that uh, these schools were birthed and still exist, mm-hmm. they should be continued. They, they should they should continue to, to, to exist. They should be perpetuated. Yeah. It, it shouldn't just like, oh, we don't need these anymore, so let's discontinue these. Mm-hmm. Like, no, nah, like, it's a rich history. Yep. Uh, from these universities, yep. Uh, great men and women who graduated from these universities, and great men and women who will continue to graduate from these universities, who will go on to do great things in our country and our society, and contribute. Uh, great black men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, in my personal experience, uh, coming from Hampton, I'm glad I told you about this. Coming from Hampton um, and continuously trying to be that. Uh, that 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 one black person mm-hmm. that 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 token black person mm-hmm. um, when I was in high school it's interesting that you you fucked with my mm-hmm. uh, my Gerald out there and my number five mm-hmm. guess what I named it those two it's token mm-hmm. number one token number two token they and they really are mm-hmm. and it's crazy because it's and crazy I plan, that I plan they on, I plan those messages as we were kids yeah. Yeah. that look you need to be a part of this white group yeah and you need that's to, where you're gonna find. And you need value. to be the smoothest. I plan on doing one of Vince from mm-hmm. uh, Recess, mm-hmm. and then uh, I'm trying to think what I want the fourth one to be. But I want to do them in Man. a similar in a similar style. But I literally did them that way on some like stained glass. Like they are like mm-hmm. these kind of you know. You have to. You yeah. It's but crazy. but it's you like have it to makes pay sense. attention to stuff like yes. That. Yes, it's crazy. It's you, crazy. You get when you're one a kid. You don't even. You get one. You just get one. Like that's that's what you worth. You and that's one. fine. You know, and 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 to and anything more than one, it's like it's like pulling teeth. You feel mm-hmm. me? Um, but to go back, I, one power range. I was uh, in high school. I was a self-hating Negro. Damn. I was a self-hating. I, I tried to do everything, anything to separate myself from blackness. Mm. And I didn't realize until I got to Clark that that and was what you was doing. That's what I was doing. And I would I would be in these all white groups. And all these microaggressions be coming out of nowhere. I'm like, Dante, you so smart for a black guy. Dante, mm. you so handsome for a black guy. And, you all just this take and I'll just be like, oh, thank, thank you. you. Like, thank you. Know, you. Eating it up. Like, yeah. And I sat down. I think I think I was in Dr. Simon class, man. Oh. And, I was in, and she was talking about microaggressions. And I just started sinking in my seat. Like, Love her. Like, what have I been doing my whole life? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and just being in that environment. Probably got on that topic about false generosity. And I sat in her class so many times because I was her TA. So I was mm-hmm. I was sitting in uh first year seminar and like, you know, of course taking her human sexuality class mm-hmm. and all these other classes. Um not human sexuality. What what was that other class she took taught? She did humanities and um she did it, some, uh, it was family some, and marriage and family. She did that. Yep, and I think it was modern to something. I forget it was like a time period that she taught too. Uh, I don't remember that. 
That's terrible. I remember that. Um, but I remember sitting there. It was it was the her class, and I think it was also uh, Ilya's class too, mm-hmm. man. And, and just those two, those two professors, they were just so they 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 were so intense and so like just profound in the way they spoke and, and the way they explained things. They opened up your mind to so yep. many things that you just been letting like like slide all yep. your life. Yep. And I was in these spaces, and, and I you was- you 18 when you realized this? 18, bro. And I, I'm growing up 15, 16, 17, and, and thinking that, like, dang, like, this is why I'm gonna find my value in this all-white group. Uh, and this is, I, I don't wanna be with all those black people. And so I, I would separate myself from blackness. It's not like I didn't have black friends. Mm-hmm. I, I had black friends, but mm-hmm. I, I would find myself, like, trying to, like, slide with the white kids. Mm. Uh, and when I got to see you, man, and uh, it's like my first my first day my mom dropped me off I'm, I'm thinking like how am I gonna be how am I gonna exist with all these black people how am I gonna compete I was nervous like I'm, I remember sitting in Pfeiffer Hall on the third floor and I had like a really I had a real nice room I had a nice little view of the skyline of Atlanta I had a little bachelor pad my oh, oh you up. was in that back the, like on in the that, back on the third on that corner oh like the uh, police station yeah and I'm looking I'm just looking out the window like how am I gonna ex- exist with these black people because for so long yep i found my value i found my self-worth i was the dude in a group of white people mm-hmm. and I, I was i was afraid bro mm-hmm. like i was really i was really afraid i went down and i met willis mm-hmm. i met willis i met leon and i think over time just as i began to interact with people that all the assumptions all the things that i grew up with like growing up in atlanta like seeing uh you know sometimes you would see Black people up here, yeah. But a lot of times I would see black people down, down here, there. and I I would grew up thinking that the worst of us is what most, most of us, of us are going to be, yeah. And then some people who attain higher heights, they were the exception, yeah. And so I was trying to be the exception. I thought that to be the exception was to be with these white people, and so I saw myself at CAU. I'm like, man, look at all these people. I met you. Mm-hmm. I met Charles. I met all these these, these Jawanza. Yeah. All these people who, these black people who were trying to do, young black people who mm-hmm. wanted to wanted more for themselves, who were intellectual, who were bracing intellectualism, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, man, this is a beautiful thing. Yep. Like black, like blackness, yeah. is, and not just a physical beauty, mm-hmm. but just our minds yeah. are beautiful. And I, and I fell in love for blackness with blackness for the first time mm-hmm. in my life, and I feel it's a like beautiful feeling though. I wouldn't have got that if I went to a UGA. I wouldn't have got that if I went to. Uh, I don't even think I would have got it if I went to a Georgia State. And I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna stop you here because mm-hmm. it's like, for me, I have this discussion with people all the time, mm-hmm. and they always want to jump on me saying like, "Riding your bias, you cannot have this like mm-hmm. thing." And this is other black people I'm talking to, mm-hmm. and the thing about that is that they may not admit this shit, mm-hmm. but there is some type of angst about where they went to. Mm-hmm. That they are still, cause I remember I had a conversation with uh, with my ex around the time she was graduating. She was telling me about how many graduations they had. Mm-hmm. And then she said there's a, a black baccalaureate was the name of it. So I was like, so y- y'all got a black graduation? Mm-hmm. Aside from the whole? Mm-hmm. She was, was like, she was- coming at U of I. Black homecoming at U of I. So, and I remember another conversation I had with one of my good friends. Shout out to Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and Lou actually came to CAU for like a semester. Mm-hmm. 
and me and her were having this discussion and she literally came at me and was like, Rodney, you done got like hella militant. You gotta have you done got like black black, you know? Right. And I was just like, I mean, yeah. And then we the conversation kinda went on and I was just like she was just like, so uh she was like, so you just couldn't ever, you could you ever see yourself going anywhere else or could you see yourself, whatever? I was like, honestly, nah. Like, mm-hmm. if I was to stay home, I definitely couldn't have went to no damn mm-hmm. motherfucking UT or no shit like that. I just would not fuck with it. At this mm-hmm. point, how I feel now about how I know, what I know about college, that's not something I want to be in. She was like, why? You getting so militant. It's not that deep. It's like a lot of people do whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get all that, but I don't want nobody calling me. I don't want nobody Specifically, feeling like they got to do something for me just mm. because I'm there. Mm. That's what I. And that was the, my biggest thing about it. It's like I don't want to go to a school where y'all got a multicultural center. Y'all got a y'all got a individual places and spaces that mm-hmm. Black people have designated to be theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like on these bigger campuses, people see this as an advantage. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as that though. I don't mm-hmm. like it that yes, it's dope that you guys got four or five libraries on this campus of forty thousand, but this library named of this old black woman is the library that every black person and uh, adjacent minority goes to mm-hmm. and every other one is like just whatever like just what? the engineers just go to that one and, and that, whatever welcome in those and, spaces. and you feel very you probably feel welcomed in those specific spaces mm-hmm. but this is why I always challenge them and say y'all want what we had <laughs> and they get mad when I say that, but it's the truth. Because why? What do you, what do so many people who go to PWIs do? They recreate so many things that are naturally already at an HBCU. You create your you got your unions. You have your NAACP uh, organizations. You got your Greek organizations, Black Greek organizations. You have your homecoming, and specifically your homecoming queens and kings. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you have pageant still you still have all these elements you still have the tailgate element and even now on Twitter so many people over here doing all these PWIs and folks in PWIs doing like we like HBCU now like we swag surfing we zotty zotty like bro like don't don't say that cause you're not you're not you're not and it's not and you could have been it's no slight to them you could have you could have been you could have been it's different you're it's it's not you cannot duplicate yes HBCU experience to the PWI you just can't so what do you feel about the critique of this isn't getting you ready for the real world. Because mm. that's what they always throw back. That's what's always the major defense when it comes to, well, I, was, I went to a PWI because I, I felt like it was more like the real world. I'm going to, well, I choose a uh, HBCU. That's not real. The whole world ain't just black. The whole world ain't just comfortable. The whole world ain't just whatever, whatever. So it's like for a lot of people, they'll just take it like, oh, okay, cool, touche, and shut up. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you after what I think. Uh... I think that uh, to some degree that's BS. Yeah, it, it, it's an excuse to to you know go with the PWI because you feel like I think deep down we know that in some ways when you have uh, when you're trying to get a job that um, this so and so university that's a PWI is gonna look better on your resume. Yep. Uh, or at least we have this thought in our heads. So yeah. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Because I had Clark Atlanta on my resume. And before I even went to the University of Chicago, I felt like I had a strong uh, resume mm-hmm. in any camp because the things I did at Clark Atlanta, just mm-hmm. because um, my grades and the things that I, like, um, I got involved in, and I, I didn't feel like my education was inferior anyway. Uh, and so I didn't think that my degree, I don't think that my degree 
is inferior, inferior. anyway. Yep. Um, I feel like people who say that there there's that, like you said, like that that deep seated thought, like, dang, I kind of wish, because I talked to so many people, so many black people, who went to PWIs, and they're like, man, I always kind of wish, you know, I went to HBCU. Um, but for whatever reason, whether they couldn't get enough money or like their parents wanted to go to a PWI, whatever, they went to the PWI. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, and, and, and be proud of where you went to school because I mean, you paid money and mm-hmm. you, know, you can have that pride and, you know, you can support your school, your institution. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But don't tear down schools that's, that, 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 that are all about empowering and educating yeah. uh, people that look like you. Yeah. Because, I, mean, I mean, in a sense, you're tearing down something that was meant for you in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and something that you know your child would need. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that I don't think that that is. I see what they're saying when they say that, like the whole the world is not just all black and all. Like, that's cool, but HBCUs don't just have black people there, and that's a misconception that yeah. it's just all black. Yeah. It's predominantly black. Yes. But you went to school. We had we had a couple. Uh, we yeah, had Saudi Arabian students. We had a lot of a lot of Middle Eastern students. A lot of white Saudi people. Arabia, uh, um, and and also the diversity within the diaspora is yeah. a thing that I think yes. people sleep on when yes. it comes to HBCUs yes, because Talk we went that. to we went to school with people who were from literally the small island of Bermuda. Mm-hmm. I had classmates who were from fucking Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Who knew that was something more than a triangle? First mm-hmm. off, but. <laughs> How I feel about when I get that is two things. First thing I say is Oprah. Yeah. First off, Oprah, you know, because she went to Tennessee State and Oprah Lily is the most influential black individual in the world. Oprah. King. Look at King. Like, come on, bro. So that's just one. Just start naming, just going down the list. You can go, but I just like to just start at the, I just like to start at the top of the pyramid and just yeah. let everybody else see the rest of the foundation. Right. Then also, this whole real world aspect, mm-hmm. let's keep it all the way funky. Black people, we do not have the bandwidth, the privilege, or the access to to literally oust ourselves out of the white world. Mm-hmm. That does not happen. Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of going to an HBCU, you still have to still appease to a lot of what whiteness is mm-hmm. still appease to all of what happens and how do you sh- how is this shown when major things happen when we got to deal with things outside of school when we do get visitors to school when the news comes and asks us to do certain things mm-hmm. we don't we don't it's not like we are being pressed and pushed as if we are this like just black school that we can just do any blackly black thing no mm-hmm. it's still tailored and and brought up to be for whiteness. And within the school, yeah. there are so many individuals, old heads within the, in the school, who are literally telling us how to be with white people. Mm-hmm. So this getting you ready for the white real world, and then lastly being all of y'all black people who keep on saying that shit. <laughs> when, I, when I ask y'all who are y'all friends, when I ask y'all what y'all did, y'all showed me a whole lot of black people that you hung around with, a whole lot of black people that you was around, that you pledged with, that you mm-hmm. was that was your ace coon booms. Mm-hmm. You can't name me one Tad, Brad, PBJ, not one white dude that's your homie and still your homie mm-hmm. that you had in school. Why? Because we go with who we are 
so connected with. Mm -hmm. We are attracted to the people who we have some type of cultural connection to. Mm -hmm. So kick the bullshit. How much you're in proximity, just like we in proximity. Mm -hmm. We right down the street from damn Georgia State. We right down the street from all these places. We don't have to be in the same mixture. Mm -hmm. We can take a class. You can do whatever. We can be in the same room, the same space. Yeah. But if we aren't taking classes at Agnes Scott. You can go to Agnes Scott. But my thing is, y'all are literally having HBC, like these very, trying to, you know, imitated HBCU experiences at your PWIs mm -hmm. and coming at us saying that we ain't living in the real world just because you got a, you got white people in your class. Mm -hmm. You got white people who could possibly live next door to you. That's not, that's not learning the real world. You're not interacting with them. Just like we not. Yeah. We, don't, we have a limited interaction You have a limited interaction exactly. Yours is more intentional Because you actually had a chance to Kind of Break bread with You know mm -hmm. Bethany and Chad But you don't But you don't and You don't unless you have to For that grade yeah. So It is what it is And you know what That's what All black people do mm -hmm. We go to work to get our check most of us who work in offices with, with, with white people, we literally go, and we aren't the most, all of us aren't the most friendly and doing all that, because we don't want us, we don't want to. We all are Stanley from the office. Mm -hmm. We come in, <laughs> we do our job, we do the best we can, we leave at five. Dude. That's it. And that's what I don't get that whole, like, we not getting ready for the real world thing, and it's like, we are all people just trying to get an education, right. first off. That's, that's so let's, let's stop with this critique. We are coming at y'all, because mm -hmm. y'all like, trying to make it seem like where we go doesn't matter mm -hmm. and where we go shouldn't y'all almost are like pushing the agenda that it shouldn't exist and you guys aren't claiming your own shit too sure. and not only claim your own shit but you got to sit here and admit to yourselves if all the things that they were offering you to go to U of I mm -hmm. was the same thing they were offering you to go to a CAU would you still make that choice if now you can have that same state, in-state, they'll match your in-state scholarship. Mm -hmm. They'll match all these different things you have and give you more money on top of that. Mm -hmm. If they had the Ooh, capacity yeah, to do all of those different right things, would, which one would you still choose? Would you still choose to go to this white school? Mm -hmm. and, and let's say, let's say, let's say that, let's say that all these things are equal. Mm -hmm. That Lily, Lily, there is no stigma of you going to HBCU. Mm -hmm. They they exist the way they exist, and all schools have this incredible funding system and everything, and just all schools got a great endowment, so they can literally offer you whatever. It's all about you either paying for it mm -hmm. or you just having the credentials to win. You know, win all these scholarships. Mm -hmm. Would you still go? Mm -hmm. I would love to know. And whoever's listening, who wants to comment? Please hit me up. You can find me at Kings underscore memoirs at everywhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can get at me on Twitter. I'm okay. ready to argue. I got all day. But I think it's interesting to me. You're making a good point. I think man. it's interesting because I just don't, I don't believe that, I, I love I love HBCUs. I believe that they not only serve a purpose, but I think in the recent spaces and places that we've been in, mm -hmm. segues into my next point. And that is, people don't really always feel that safe at these white institutions. Not at all. And the funny thing about that, the funny thing that I find about that is like, the best example would be um, this uh, situation that happened at Miss You a few years ago with the hunger strike with their football team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, literally, it caused up so much, you know, news and so much uproar for the things that were happening. And then it, the school literally kept getting exposed from more and more racism. From the racism within this, from the student level, being from like their SGA that was essentially 
impeached because of their like racist views. Mm-hmm. Literally, where misused campus is, the locals were literally tormenting the black students of that university. Mm-hmm. Literally, f- people didn't feel safe to go to these local you know, businesses to patronize because they did not feel safe. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I thought that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so that and situations like that is why I say like, I don't like accommodation. The best part about going to HBCU is that I could never play the race card. I could never go to my professor and be like, you you don't you you don't want to give me your time. You don't want to see this potential in me. You don't want to mm. help me understand mm. this thing because you don't want me to re- be the top in the class. You, you don't want about that. You don't have to worry about that. Nah. Everybody in that bitch is like your auntie and your uncle, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you they'll tell you straight up. You need to get this shit together. Yeah, you, I don't give a damn. Something I will flunk. Like I will flunk you <laughs> and see you in here next week. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. See you in here next year and be fine with it. I've done it a million times mm-hmm. and it's made people better for me doing it. Cause I'm not gonna just give you. I'm not gonna just pass you. This is your major. This is your major. This is what it is. You know, it's whatever, whatever. And um. Okay, yeah, was, yeah, <laughs> my landlord dog. Um, oh man. Yeah, but anywho, <laughs> uh, but no, like I think that it's just it's so interesting to me, mm-hmm. and I think you know. I want to definitely dive into something that I've been noticing a lot happening lately. And that is uh, there's this interesting critique on collegiate spaces mm-hmm. and specifically spaces that are liberal arts. So you'll find, you know, the more uh, Ivy League schools, the schools that are not so, I would say, governmentally funded that have these, you know, very liberal agendas, mm-hmm. these very uh they definitely position themselves as, you know, bastions of progressiveness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're inclusive and we have all these different things that we not only think about, but include. Like, we're the most diverse of all schools because we are in, we have every type of any, anybody at our school from a Samoan all the way to a Filipino and a black American and also a South African exchange student who speaks several different languages. It's all about the hodgepodge and also creating safe spaces and creating mm-hmm. diversity and creating all these different things. I would love to know how you feel about that. Cause I, I think I feel two ways about the critiques on it, but also I do feel a ways about what's really happening too. But tell me what you think about mm. this new kind of wave of like people who are sitting here kind of really negatively critiquing uh, liberal arts colleges. And you're saying they're saying that it's they're saying that it's essentially the reason why we are at a place where now so sensitive where people are so sensitive why people why you can't say anything quote unquote mm-hmm. why you know quote unquote peace mm-hmm. being PC it started from these spaces being PC started mm-hmm. from these I don't know about that and that but this is what the critique is I'm not mm-hmm. saying I agree with it oh no I, yeah I'm not, yeah, I'm not I, but I'm saying this is what they're I'm saying thinking about it I, I don't. I don't think it started there. I mm-hmm. think people are sensitive to these things because they've been going through it so long without ha- having a chance to say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think social media is now empowering people more um, as well as giving them a voice to say these things. And I just feel like it's just more present now. Yeah. I think, you know, before people were just complaining about this stuff or talking about this stuff in, in certain spaces. 
I think now uh, it's it's like you know it's booming. Like anybody can just say whatever, and so many people can see it. Mm-hmm. Even people who don't agree with them. And I think that um, yeah, I think certain terms might have originated at these institutions, but I don't think that the sensitivity did. Mm-hmm. I think the sensitivity is a product of just this country and just the the way that that um that people have haven't had to endure certain things yeah like, um especially when it comes to people of color mm-hmm. um or anybody uh when, when it comes to uh people of the lgbtqia community or uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, everyone has been through and suffered so many different like slice and had to go through so many things and felt like they they have no voice and no one cares and the politicians don't care and this stuff is, is continue to happen they mm-hmm. don't feel and keeps going back to value they don't feel valued in their own freaking country mm-hmm. like eventually how do you think people are going to feel yeah you think people are going to continue to just like be able to take this stuff and not yep. say anything people are going to begin to come very sensitive to just one thing and so i don't well i do think it's a problem that we you know as soon as someone says something we're up in arms and we're like oh man that was racist i think that that can get a little problematic i don't think that that's something that uh, people should be like, oh, well, look how sensitive they are. And like, nah, bro, like, they have a right to be sensitive. We mm-hmm. have a right to be sensitive. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we should we should devote our energy to, to something more uh, uh, more more important mm-hmm. or something that 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 we should be. Um, I can't think of the word. Um, something more uh, more important, I guess. Uh, but I don't think that. I don't think that um, it is uh, it's something that came from these institutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I went to the University of Chicago, though, it was uh, mm, how can I how can I put this, dude? It was it, it was it, it it it's like coming there mm-hmm. from Clark. Mm-hmm. And very, I remember very, I talked about how when I was black. at Clark. Yeah. How I was going through this whole my first day there, I was coming through this whole process of how am I going to deal with mm-hmm. these people who look like me when I've been trying to find value in these people so long. Then I went to these spaces, this mm-hmm. space again. I'm just like, dang man, like I, where the black people at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm walking around, and when I would see black people, man, like, mm-hmm. and I, I you know, I, I do something like you know, smile, wave or something like, what's up? Like some of them, like mm-hmm. some of them say, what's up? And some like, but a lot of them would be like, oh, 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 oh what's mm-hmm. up? Uh, and like, they were afraid to talk to me. I'm like, what's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. And it, it it was it was really troubling. And and just being in that, being in class and being in a majority white space and and having to, I feel like, be someone else or be like a watered down version of who I was. I feel like that was. Um, I don't want to say traumatizing, but it was like damaging in some way mm-hmm. because I felt like oftentimes like I had to be like I had to be academic Dante or I had to be like it's like like if you want to use the 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 double consciousness definition that you used earlier, I was being American Dante. I wasn't being Black Dante. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't uh, using certain words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to use more. Uh, a more of an extensive vocabulary to, mm-hmm. to show them like, oh yeah, I am intelligent. I yeah. do belong here. Yep. Um, but I think like people who say stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, I think they're just trying to come up with an excuse um, for like their own 
um, issues. Like, why why are you saying certain things in the first place? Why do you think that you have the right to say certain things? While I do believe everyone has has the right to speak and, and state their opinion, mm-hmm. I, I will question why do you think it's okay for you to say certain things? And, and, and why do you think it's wrong for people to respond in, in whatever way they think is appropriate? I'm going to tell you. What the claim is for people who are coming at this mm-hmm. is that there is a almost an attack or some type of, uh, I guess, patrol mm-hmm. over what freedom of speech is. Mm-hmm. So their claim is that, you know, what being PC and like overly PC and mm-hmm. not being able to literally speak how you feel mm-hmm. Is, isn't what freedom of speech is mm-hmm. because you're telling me there are certain words I can't say you're telling oh, me there are certain I know exactly what you're, talking you're telling about. me that there are certain mm-hmm. just thoughts or ideals I can't have and express in public mm-hmm. Is that's not freedom of speech mm-hmm. because what they're doing is is they're just opposing you know people who you know who are Protestants who you know didn't want to believe in Catholic, you know, traditional Catholicism, mm-hmm. but who were persecuted for being that way, and so on and so on and so forth. So it's like mm-hmm. I can't free, I can't freely be speak out of who I am and expression. So and what I think mm-hmm. and what I just what I see and what I deduce. What I like to say about that is I think it's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think oh, it's yeah. pure bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many individuals do this because the reason why I believe what's steeping in bullshit when it comes to it is because it's so fucking biased mm-hmm. and no one's checking their biases mm-hmm. no one's checking them shits no. you have a whole bunch of old white dudes and people who are in specific spaces and places mm-hmm. like they may be comedians they may be public speakers or whatever they may be mm-hmm. and they aren't checking their biases sometimes it's not even a racial thing sometimes it's a place of what you, it's the the place and compartment of what your profession is and what those things are supposed to do. And you've now contorted those things to make what you want to do also a part of that. Mm -hmm. So as a comedian, a lot of comedians have these critiques and say things about how like people are PC or people are too sensitive. The problem with that is the fact of the matter is, is the shit was wrong back then Mm -hmm. and the shit was wrong now. So let's not, let's not sit here and sit here and say that we could, back in the day, we could have said whatever the hell we want. TV was different and whatever, whatever. The difference part of it was people were not even close to mature and evolved within their mind states and their mindsets as they are today. The reason why people are making this connection with liberal arts and all these different things is why? Because we are the generation that is the most educated out of any other generation. Mm -hmm. We are the generation that has, was social media was introduced to us, Mm -hmm. to millennials. We also don't have the same level of fear that- And we don't have, we don't have the same level of fear. And we also- We don't give a damn. We don't give a damn, but also we not gonna just let you cook. Mm -hmm. You can't just, you can't just be, you can't just be racist, blamely racist and just, and then cloak it with all this, you know, white nationalism or Mm -hmm. cloak it in something else that's not what it really is. Mm -hmm. You might not want to admit it, but bro, this is what it is. And the thing about it is like, just just like they can, and also, I think the last part about that is more so, these people just want to be able to say what the fuck they want to say mm-hmm. and for them not to only not only lose their jobs, mm-hmm. but for people to not be so up in arms about what they say. They, they want people to... Rodney. 
They want their fucking privilege back. They they want their <laughs> privilege back. <laughs> they want to be able to say whatever the hell it's they can say and go on with the thing. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We have a woman right now who's running for what is a senator? I think it's like a I think a senator or something like that within Mississippi who literally is talking about how she would be front row at a fucking hanging. And that did not raise ears. That did not cause for disqualification. She still is going to get votes. Like, she still is going to get vote. Mm-hmm. She still is going to get voted in. Roy Moore was a motherfucker who was Lily, <laughs> Lily who was, has been caught in the act of being a literal pedophile mm-hmm. and a child molester. And yet, this man was still leading up to become the next elected official within this state. And it took this, it took the person who beat him and black women to talk to each other mm-hmm. and get on their same level and same playing field and get people out to vote to not have him be elected in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because it's like all these people who I keep seeing having these critiques, the people who literally made careers off of having these critiques. You have people now like Jordan Peterson, Canadian dude who's like is mad famous off this shit because he wrote a book and he's like feels all these different type of ways about, you know, how how he's an educator himself. Mm-hmm. Teaches psychology mm-hmm. um, at the University of Toronto, mm-hmm. and he's speaking about how all these things. And the crazy part about it is, is, people are utilizing the. I believe I think it's just a whole lot of you know false false equivalencies and just fallacies to prove their own points. Yeah. But and some of them hold up because it's like some of them are just facts. Mm-hmm. And so they just utilize facts to mold and to support their arguments. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that you are literally, I see a contradiction because you are upset when people are coming at you calling you a racist, mm-hmm. calling you this, calling you that. You don't want it to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like it, right? You don't fuck with it. You don't agree with it. You don't mm-hmm. see yourself as that. So how the fuck do you think people feel when you think you call them faggots? How the mm-hmm. fuck do you think they feel when you think they call them niggas and call them bitches and hoes? Why do you think people feel some type of way mm-hmm. when you say these things? Oof. I kind of feel some type of way the way you, you were just saying it. Like, I was like, dang. Because, I'm, slightly getting, but, but I'm just like, dang. But like, it's I, the truth. And I feel like... That's real. Because I think it's like they're missing the, the, your body. Like and, and the crazy part about it is he's so smart and so intelligent that he even like says he, he's mm-hmm. one of... I think the reason why he's so famous because he... He uses his bias and he uses his standpoint as his own defense, too. And that's why so many white men follow him, because he says things like, and the you know social justice warrior is going to say that I can't have this opinion because I'm a white man. He says these social things, so he, he, leans, he leans into it even more. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but bro, this is exactly, they're, they're right. You're literally, you literally just deaded your whole yeah. thing. You yeah. cannot have this opinion. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is not a system that was created by us. The system was made to be unfair. Mm-hmm. So for this, the game and the system to be put on side his head, to for the hourglass to turn, for the sorry game, for you to run out of dice, for you to run out of chips, you can't go past go, you gotta go to jail, for all those things to happen right now. You're flipping over the game board. The game is being flipped over. So now you're actually feeling the effects mm-hmm. of the thing. Mm-hmm. I was uh, listening to this, I, I, I don't know if he was, you know, I don't know if I was, you know, if that's something he came up with or it was just a general quote, but so many people who are in a place of privilege, when equality appears, mm-hmm. it comes off to them as oppression. Mm-hmm. So they see it as, 
I can't be me. I'm being stifled. I'm being this. I'm being that. I'm being whatever, whatever, whatever. Double consciousness. And it's like <laughs> all these different things. And that's why you have now, you have literal people on Twitter. You have white men in America who are literally saying that, damn, it's not even cool to be a white man anymore. Mm. I can't even, I feel like I'm oppressed too. Shout out to my boys, you know, Brandon and Steven, who I did a, you know, a episode with called White Men Must Go. Check that out on how I feel I about that. that one, man. I still got to listen to that one. It's a, it's a good I, one. It's a good one. I seen that. I was like, oh, I need to listen to Yeah. That. Yeah. But I, oh. I just, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Man. And, but I, I just, I feel like, I feel like it's so, I, I plan on doing more on it. Uh-huh. I plan on definitely doing a whole episode on just kind of like how I feel about this whole just freedom of speech thing but I just want to mm-hmm. read more into it and get some more into it and also I've just in the midst of I've found so many other people who feel mm-hmm. ways about this black people too mm-hmm. who are literally trying to disprove the oppression that exists within this nation that we live in mm-hmm. by saying that there are just elements within it that make these things not true and not so that makes these things like invalid so it's like you can't say that you know this systematic oppression really exists because there's not these things that are all equal and put in right. place. So it's like they're trying to debunk every single fucking thing mm-hmm. with very very specific, very tailored facts and statistics. Like, no, there is no wage gap because there's data that you can find that women make more than men in most spaces. And it's like this is so like this is so this is a bold ass statement it's to me. Bold ass shit. You know what I'm saying? Boy, but that's what that's some shit they stand by and they do it and they like literally they are people who are educators. Uh-huh. Majority of them are educators or influence or people who are well read. Literally critiquing people who are intellectuals who they see as being too progressive mm-hmm. to whatever 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 within these liberal arts schools. Mm-hmm. So it's like and then also the students as well because those are the people who are protesting. Mm-hmm these you know speakers and individuals who have these specific messages but also it's like your message may not be directly you know directly saying or tied to some type of whatever mm-hmm. that's why I think Jordan Peterson is probably the most squeaky uh, uh, I guess example of that because he doesn't do too much uh, dog whistling but the things that he says and things that a lot of things that he says aligns to what a lot of uh, white nationalists and literally Nazis feel mm-hmm. they like they can really fuck with some of the things he's saying because he's literally trying to debunk all these things and say these things are just not true mm-hmm. and trying to break down all these things that people are literally trying to push up from you know harassment within the workplace and all these different things he's literally trying to call bullshit on every single aspect right. that all these things from affirmative action all these different things so they are literally all for that if you're a racist you're all for all that I, I can say whatever I want to say I can do whatever I want to do because why? That's what that's how the world should be type of thing. So they come to these people and they don't ever really denounce them. They just say, you know, I don't like them. I don't I don't believe in that. I don't. But it's like you still get that money. You still getting that check. You still sold out this little space mm-hmm. at whatever you, you at. You want to apply to to start a business? You can get it much quicker. You, you can find a loan much quicker than some somebody else could or some a black person could. You know what I'm saying? In particular. Um, but they don't. They don't. They don't feel not, that because they, that's not their experience. They're they're literally and everybody's always and and truly always speaking from their experience. That's and it. I feel like they're so enraptured in their own experience they can't stop for a second and just even try to to put themselves in the position of a woman. Yeah. Put themselves in the position of someone who's Latino. Yeah. Um, because if they would, I can almost guarantee you that they 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 would feel something, mm-hmm. some compassion, some empathy. But they stop themselves from doing that because if they do that, 
then they'll have a loss of what? Power. Yep. Influence. Yep. Privilege. Yep. And that's all this is, is them trying to regain that, that back because they see it waning. I believe that. They see it waning. And we're going to continue to see, you know, people like this. What's this guy, this Canadian dude? We're going to see uh, more yeah, people Jordan like him. Peterson. Yep. For They're sure, appealing sure. to these people who, who, who realize, oh, shit. Like, to be a white man isn't the shit anymore. Like, we're constantly being critiqued. And, and you should. You should. Because you hold so much power and privilege mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many issues. And you guys are not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. But the quickest change in this country would start with them. Let's mm-hmm. be real. Yeah. If, if, if a whole bunch of them, like, really sat down and was like, hey, man, maybe we've got this America thing all fucking wrong. And we've been doing it wrong. And we've been doing this shit wrong the whole time. Mm-hmm. If they all, if a group of them sat down and did something, change would move a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. But because they continue as as a collective, I'm not gonna say all, not individually, but as a collective, continue to 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 feed off of uh, our oppression or the oppression of others. I don't want just I don't want to say ours, like it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. But the oppression of others it's the reason why they continue to be critiqued in such a way yep. and they'll continue to get defensive they're gonna keep on and I understand why yeah and <laughs> I understand don't under, like I don't understand like where is this anger coming from you live in America I'm like bro like I'm not even gonna I'm, cause I'm gonna go off on it no 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 I got you I got you that's why I had to stop myself too but let's let's. I guess I can't even say let's lighten it up but the last time Ain't no lighting up. Yeah, ain't no lighting up going this way with it. Stuff right Chicago, here. Chicago is an interesting place uh, mm-hmm. for so many different reasons. And um, you are a educator here in Chicago, and I'm so That's proud right. to even you know when you gave me that news that you know that they like offered for you to you know start to really teach a class. And you know mm-hmm. it's dope to find out that you know this is something that you are doing and that you actually like like and love. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I want to know. Cause you know how tumultuous it is when it comes to not only CPS schools but just education in relation to the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very major thing. It's a reason why so many different you know parents of affluence move out of the city mm-hmm. um, to put their children in a better space to go to a you know specific school so they don't have to kind of be mixed up into the system and mm-hmm. have to change schools so often or just. To put them in the best position for their children, to mm-hmm. try to really be in the best position for their children. Um, what the school that you go to is not only is it, from what you told me is a great example. But I would love for you to talk about your experience a little bit about yes, what's it like teaching within a city like Chicago. Oh man, it's uh, beautifully tragic, just like much of the human experience. It mm-hmm. is. It has its goods and its bad um, <laughs> goods, uh, but it. How do I start it? I started doing this a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first started, I uh, I wasn't sure like what like what was gonna happen, like how how how, how this was gonna go. Uh, I had, you know, of course you come in with your 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 your, your preconceived notions. You you already like, okay, well this is how it's probably gonna be. But it's it's in no way, shape, or form exactly how I thought it was gonna be. It, it, it's so much structure to the school. Um, and and it, it's a it's a part of this uh, charter school system called Nova, mm-hmm. Noble, and and there are um, some things that are a little little off to me. Um, but I think this school in particular, Butler College Prep, it does so many things right. Mm. 
um, for black and brown students, uh, particularly black students. It is like an HBCU, but a high school. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it. I love teaching there. Um, it, it's for me, it's really trying because I'm, I've always been the type of guy I love really hard um, and I get invested really quick. Uh, so I feel like I've been working there for years mm -hmm. um, <laughs> already. And mm -hmm. like I see like students on a daily basis, I see particular students with clouds over their heads. Um, and you can just like feel like this negative aura just, just, just protruding off of them. And you're just like, man, like you want to talk to them and you want to do all this stuff for them. And I have, I have some of those students in my class and mm -hmm. they'll act out in class and in class, you know, since I'm teaching, it's very difficult to like pull them to pull them aside and talk to them and give them that one-on-one. -on -one. And so typically, like, I either have to, like, shut it down mm -hmm. and deal with it from there. Mm. And sometimes it, it can be shut down or they'll give you a little attitude. And you want to respond, like, in, in a, you know, in a certain way. But I'm constantly thinking, like, I don't know what this kid's going through at home. Yep. And, I mean, I know it's probably crazy. Mm -hmm. And I can almost guess that whatever he's going through is probably not his fault. But whatever she's going through is, is definitely not his fault. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of our kids, they live... In poverty, a lot of our kids live in violent neighborhoods mm -hmm. where they hear gunshots go off at night. Where they've lost, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a girl in my school who has lost all of her siblings to gun violence. All of them. And when she told me, she said it so casually, like it was, like it was nothing. So yeah, my brother, my sister, and my other brother, they all got killed. Mm. And I'm just like, what? Like, I, and I said, like, that's not normal. Yeah. We lost a student uh, about three weeks ago. Three weeks not, ago. Not, not, even, not even that long ago. Mm. It, it was maybe, it was, it was about a month ago, maybe. Um, and I had only been working there maybe a few weeks, and I, he was in my class. And um, I had talked to him maybe a few times. Good kid. He was the first kid in the entire senior class to get an acceptance letter to college what kind of dude wanted to be a teacher had a stellar GPA was just an all around good kid was a basketball player really good kid and dude got shot at a at a um, at a at a vigil he was at a vigil for somebody else who got someone shot someone else not even not someone got some, some girl who died in a car accident that he knew or that someone else knew and he was just paying his respects to her not knowing that on Monday uh, of going into that next week that we'd be having a vigil at the school for him. And I'm just thinking about this when it happened. Like, I remember when I, I was in bed like that, that Sunday morning, I rolled over and I, I checked my phone and I seen it and said, James Garrett just got, he got killed last night. And I'm just like, I just turned, I, I, I put my phone back on the nightstand, I rolled back over and I was like, I was like, nah, that's, that's not that's not the James that's in my class, right? Yeah, I'm still learning like names, so I knew I knew his his first name was James, but I wasn't sure if this was the James that was in my class. And so I turned on and looked, and I'm like, lo and behold, it's the kid on a, on a, on a on a CBS news article, mm. and it's him. And I I just started crying, man. Didn't know the kid very much, but I just started crying because like that that he wanted to be a teacher, he wanted to be an educator. Mm. He had plans. He had goals. His life is over now, mm. and I'm, I'm 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 thinking, and as I'm crying, I start to get angry, mm. and I start to think, 
how many more of these kids, because they're kids, they're, they're 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids, how many of these kids have to die before someone does something? Mm-hmm. Like how, 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 long, how long is this gonna go on? Who's gonna do something about this? Mm-hmm. When is someone gonna step in? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an epidemic, man. Yeah. And it's getting worse by the year. The numbers are not going down. Mm-hmm. Like to, to, to a certain degree, they might be decreasing, but I think the last time I looked, it was maybe like a slight decrease. But at the end of the day, this violence is still very real. And all of my students, I'm not gonna say all, most of my students mm-hmm. deal with this, see this on a daily basis. Some have seen people shot, some have seen people uh, dead on the ground, some deal with domestic abuse in their houses, and then they have to come to school. Ready and, 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 still. Be, and be expected to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what 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 am I supposed to do as a teacher? Yeah, that's somebody because to put on I, you. I feel like I'm acting as, as a counselor and a uh, therapist everything. and a teacher all at once and a big brother. And I'm just like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I want to be there for him. And I'm just like, man, I got to take care of my own emotional health because nah, I find yeah. my own self starting to yeah. slip, man. <laughs> and just be wanting to go crazy because yeah. it's so much and I want to do so much. and But it's so difficult because there's so much... Like, like just systematic bull mm-hmm. that's causing this. Mm-hmm. This isn't just because black people are inherently violent. We don't just wake up and say, I want to kill somebody. We don't come out the womb with a pistol in our hand going pop, pop, pop. Nobody. Nobody does that. Nobody does this that. Is, this, this, this is something that we take in from our environment. Mm-hmm. W.E. Du Bois said this. Yep. This is what he was studying. Yep. Well, one of the things he was studying, and I'm just like, how many, how many more of these kids have to drop on the ground? Mm-hmm. How many more videos do we have to see of someone being brutally murdered in Chicago? Yeah. Before someone does something. Just had something happen in Robbins, Illinois. The guy would literally want, he went to Lane Tech, wanted mm-hmm. to be a police officer, was literally getting some public safety experience, mm-hmm. being a security guard at a, at a club. Oh, I heard about that. Uh, his name was Jamil. Yes. And this man, this man, this man literally was a hero. Mm-hmm. Somebody was getting kicked out. Mm-hmm. They went and got a gun, started shooting. They grazed like four people. He, he managed to him. get to stop them and get one of them down. Called the police as his job was supposed to be, was licensed to carry and ends up losing his life. It's just. With a security hat on. With a freaking security hat on. Everybody there was saying, why did you do this? He was literally security. Like, it doesn't add up. It doesn't he make was a sense. Big threatening black man. He's a big threatening black man who literally wanted to join your ranks. Man, he wanted to be a CP. Oh my God, he wanted to be in CPD too. And you know what's crazy is uh, that and that and like to want to uh, do that to want to. I know it's probably already hard as hell to get anybody to be a damn police officer these days because right. I know everybody's probably just thinking even I wouldn't be surprised even white dudes probably thinking man. twice but a black man wants to do it in this city probably had the most beautiful intentions of what he wanted to do while in the midst of even if he even if cause I'm not that uh <laughs> I don't have that much hope mm-hmm. in most police police districts and, you know, people going in and being uh, 
shakers and movers and changes of certain things because I just feel like certain things. It's that's just that it. blue wall and that blue fraternity is it is it's a fraternity. When you literally call yourselves a fraternal order, mm-hmm. it should not be that. They literally they literally call themselves that. That should that should not never been allowed to exist. Like that is what, and that's not only them. Like New York is that way. Almost every major city mm-hmm. considers themselves as a fraternal order. You pledge into a police office. This shit is po pa po. No man, it's <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's so stupid. And I just like for what? Like, for what? I feel like police officers should be willing. And, and should just be aware of the fact that they can lose their life any day on these streets in service to people. Because when you sign up to be a police officer, that's what it is. You are serving the people. That's what it is. It does not mean you go up on the scene ready to kill. You are responding to the situation, yes. which means you have to come up on the scene. Yeah, I understand. Like you know, you you afraid? Like you should be. Like you're a human being. It's cool. But don't sign up for it if you don't have the heart for it. And no. I feel like so many of these people that 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 come that that put on that. That, that vest every morning, mm-hmm. they're scared. Yeah. They're afraid. Yeah. And when they go into these black communities, they already don't understand us. They already yeah. have their own prejudices and biases. Yeah. They don't they don't understand like they what 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 it means to be black in America. Mm-hmm. All they all they know is what they see. Yeah. And that scares the shit out of them. Hell yeah. And so when they're in these situations, they're gonna make irrational decisions like shoot people sixteen times. Mm-hmm. I'm crazy. I, 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 it's so much, and I'm glad you said everything you said because I feel like it's in, and for it to only be for a short period of time, and you've captured so much of mm-hmm. that in your specific, uh, you know, it's not, it's not easy, place man. of learning, and I, I can only imagine that you know, you know, I'm gonna make sure you know you take care of yourself. But, but let me talk about let, the, 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 not. It's not all negative though. Oh no, 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 no I know, I know, <laughs> not, I know, I know. I, I think I went too far into the. No, 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 you, you look, you man, look. It's, it's a beautiful experience. Speak <laughs> uh, I really do not like those kids are intelligent. No, yeah, yeah. Let's clean it. Yeah, you can clean it up. That's like, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I don't want and people to think like, dang, man, I don't want to be like. Nah, like where I work is, it's a great place to work. Yeah. Um, like those kids, and many of them do go on off to college. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing. Many of them go off to HBCUs, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah, uh, which kind of goes all the way back to what we all the way, about, all the way full in. circle, full um, circle. And uh, it's 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 a beautiful environment. I love yeah. it. It can be difficult. Yeah, because just just the environment that they're coming from. Yeah, and I think that's. I don't think it's all the way bad that you you know that's what you spoke on first and you spoke on heavily on that mm-hmm. because I feel like you know. It's certain expectations that people have, and I think of Chicago in general, and so many aspects of Chicago. And I think we always hear the per- perception being spoken about from people who are outside mm-hmm. of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'd rather hear that certain things are bad coming from somebody who's embedded and immersed mm-hmm. within the environment than a person who's outside just saying, well, what about Chicago? Mm-hmm. When that's really just a euphemism uh, for what about the ghetto? What about black people? Mm-hmm. What about this bad thing that yeah. people do? People what about Chicago? Chicago? What about Chi- what about Chicago encompasses because Chicago has struggled in so many different areas it encompasses so much when it comes to the black uh kind of like uh scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Chicago is the new black escape scapegoat in general. Mm-hmm. People say that 
Even if everybody, they talk to, they Trump, say that they say that because they say that to whatever black person because Chicago is the scapegoat to everything. Because mm-hmm. why? Because we do have violence, we do have you know gentrification occurring and displacement occurring, we mm-hmm. do have poverty occurring, we do have every single. But the fact of the matter is, is Chicago is nothing but an example of every other major city mm-hmm. in America. Every so, other there's literally a Chicago in every damn place that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. If there's a black, if there's black people collected there, then nine times out of ten, it may, it may or may not be in the best spaces because that's not how it, that's not how the system works. Mm-hmm. The system does not work in this place of where we all collect together. And now this place, us being, us being together, mm-hmm. literally brings down the value of a space, of a place, yep. and that is, that is literally. If you don't believe it, check check the internet. Go ahead. That's in with in within the system, so that is what it is. But let's wrap it up on a Research. good note. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up on a good note. Um, yeah, because I'm gonna get back in my bag. Man. But uh, I think you know the reason why I want to talk to you about this and the merit, kind of like the myriad of things that you know we spoke on, because I believe that I th- I think about what if Dante didn't choose to go to CAU, man, and I you still that and that was the only and that was the only thing that you did not choose. Let's say you still you chose to go to you know you know West Georgia, mm. some random school or just some state school, or you let's say UGA, just to keep it real, PWI, bro. Huh? I think about this all the time, and I'm so glad you asked me this. Yeah. I would not be who I am right now. Oh, I know. I know. And That's what I'm implying. I did. <laughs> I, 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 I all the way, fully, wholly, in, in every sense of where I love who I am. Yes. Right now. Yes. And I, I, I go back to who I was when I was young, and I was trying to find my, my worth in other people and trying to find my worth in in these in these these white people. Yep. Because um, I'm just going to keep it 100% real. That's what I was trying to do. Um, if I went to a West Georgia man, I've been doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe I'll be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll just it would just been souped up. It's CAU Clark Atlanta University was for me just it, it, it was what I needed. It mm-hmm. was that healthy dose of blackness that I was missing. Yep. Uh, and it's not that I didn't get into my family. Um, it's just that I had not seen so much positivity within Emphasis on healthy. Emphasis on healthy. Healthy dose, man. Mm-hmm. And, and just a positive. And, and, and I mean, and that, CAU's not perfect. It's no. not. But I love that school to death, to the yeah. ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And all, and all its flaws and everything is unconditional. Mm-hmm. Because of just who I became. The people that I've met there, man. Mm-hmm. Like when I tell you, like the fact, like our relationship. If I, if I didn't, if I didn't go to see you, I would never met you. We'd not be having this conversation right now. Yeah. Um. All of my friends, Willis, mm-hmm. Gerald, Savon, Terrell, the whole, all of them. Mm-hmm. I don't like, think I would be I in would, Chicago. Period. I would not be here. The reason I mean, I even got to University of Chicago because I'm gonna tell you right now. When I was coming out of high school, my ACT and my SAT scores were so low, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I had test anxiety. I would literally go into these rooms and be like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I would pause on every question. It would take me 20 minutes for every question. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I will just Christmas tree the rest because I just didn't believe in myself. Mm-hmm. I got to CAU and something happened. This, this change, this switch occurred, this evolution mm-hmm. came over me. 
and I excelled academically yep. so much that I could get into a place like University of Chicago. Yep. When I was in high school, the University of Chicago wasn't looking at me. Yep. yep. I would submit an application, they would have laughed. Yep. But it was because I, I got into a place where I was intellectually stimulated, mm -hmm. where my I, my value, my self worth, was being constantly reinforced. Mm -hmm. I was around positive black people, people mm -hmm. who looked like me, people who cared. Yep. Man, I would not that the whole point. I'm even, I'm even here right now, mm -hmm. and my voice is crackling. Nah, <laughs> nah. But no, the whole point I'm here right now is because of. I'm not gonna say it's all CAU, but CAU did a large. Uh, it, it, it was a large part of 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 me becoming who I am right yep. now, and I, I I can never like once I you know get to where I need to be, mm -hmm. you know I'm done paying out some of my loan. Yeah, I'm gonna fuck with him. I'm gonna, you feel me? Like I'm gonna fuck with you. I'm gonna fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, probably get a few people together and figure out something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how about we put out? We was like, instead of giving them this money, how about we put this money together, get a fund together, yeah, man, get a get a get a, a a corner, a nook. It's real love, in the school man. named after us or something. Oh yeah, I wish. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Man, that's that's a hey, that's the dream, right? Yeah, there. yeah. Even if it's, I take a classroom. Mm. I, I don't even need a building. No, I want a whole statue. I want like you know. I mean, I just got look, that statue I, with him. Yeah, I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get one. I feel you. One. I feel you. But I'm I saying, I, I take, I you know, I take, I take what I get. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I take what I get. Call him, call him Mary wearing them, looking real good. True. But um, <laughs> I love that, and I wanted to say that because you know, I think it's. I think it's interesting. I'm not trying to shade anybody who chose to go to a PWI. Not at all. Not because at all. the fact of the matter is, is the reason why I feel like now and the times we're living in and the in the things that are occurring now, mm -hmm. the value of HBCUs is showing itself way more than ever. Mm -hmm. Because of all the things that are occurring, that us being in spaces with each other does not mean that we're going to be peaceful. Mm. Does yep. not mean we're gonna feel safe. Does not mean mm -hmm. we're gonna fully develop to our greatest capacity. Right. The greatest. I feel like one of the greatest ills for people who may go to these schools and may not feel fulfilled or may still feel lost is that very thing, mm -hmm. that gap, that hole, that void that they feel within themselves, mm -hmm. and they see that or they realize that when they do come around other black people, mm -hmm. they sit there and they wonder like, damn, I don't know that. I don't know that. I never heard of that. Never even known that. And it's almost like they question and challenge their blackness. And it's like the fact that blackness isn't a monolith. It's not. But the fact of the matter is, is that you discover how much of not a monolith it is at a HBCU. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the perception. It is, The man. perception is that we are now, we are all just the same type of black people going to all together and just speaking to each other and never mm -hmm. speaking outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is like I said, when you make race not an issue in any space, not only will it in, embolden people to be be them, their best selves, look into themselves, reflect better, but it may, it changes the way you perceive things. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is the reason why people who may have done undergrad at HBCU and then go off to go wherever else and they still are doing good as hell mm -hmm. is because they already have a sense of self. Yeah, that foundation. And you can't change that. You can't shake that. It, yeah. it won't It won't be removed from them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, for me, I definitely side with what Du Bois was pushing with this sense of us 
going to HBCU, getting ourselves, getting our ground, mm-hmm. is getting what we what we may have missed. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you, wherever you went, you're gonna get a double dose of it where you at now. You mm-hmm. never knew your history when you were at the high school and elementary school that you went to. You're gonna get a good bit of it now. Mm-hmm. You understand, you know that that the world is bigger than what it is, and there are black people on every continent. Mm-hmm. And, wh- and why and how those individuals are treated and how those individuals are living. You're going to not only be mixing with people from a, a, a cultural standpoint, but you're going to mix with people from an economical standpoint, mm-hmm. which that's something that I feel like people don't think about much when it comes to HBCUs. But you see it. You go to school amongst people who come from PG County, one of the yeah. probably the most rich, literally the richest black neighborhoods are in the Maryland, uh, Maryland, D.C., the DMV area. Mm-hmm. You meet these individuals, you meet people who come from affluence from all over this nation and they walk, they talk, they act in a different way. But we all in the same place, got to still do the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it shows so many different dynamics of what blackness is. You know, you can't just you can't just assume and walk in a room and be like, everybody know what it's like to eat bologna sandwiches and have your lights cut off. Right. Cause you nah, gonna man. fuck around and be real. You gonna be looking crazy. Looking crazy. How I had room like I, don't, I really don't know shit about, about that. Man. Like my daddy even work. I got my daddy in the house. <laughs> How about that? You know what That's I'm saying? True. And you get so much, and you yeah. find out the truths mm-hmm. of who you are mm. and what you are, mm. and more than just a historical significance, but from a social from a social aspect, and so many different things. Mm-hmm. You learn how to truly. Be and how to truly identify yourself in the midst of this black sea, mm-hmm. and I think people don't see it as that. People see it as, like you said, you initially thought it was going to be this. How am I going to fit in? When in actuality, questions. You're literally going into a space where you're now figuring out how you stand out mm-hmm. from everybody else that looks just like you. And, and something because you how said, can you compare yourself if you don't stand next to it or put yourself next to it? Something you said, man, really got me just thinking like that. When you take race out of the equation, people could really just be mm-hmm. human. Yeah. And I, I think that is just that's my dream, not just for this country, but for this world. Where yeah. We can literally be in these spaces and just not be thinking about what we look like or how other people are perceiving us mm-hmm. just because of the way we look. Why do you think white people do so well when, when so many of them can sit here and say, I don't see color? Mm. The fact of the matter is the sad, the sad part about it is is that <laughs> it's it's destructive mm-hmm. for them to have that view because mm-hmm. of their position within America. So it's like you need to. Mm-hmm. You must. Because it's not about avoiding or, or trying to dismantle just the, the system and then for everything to just be all gravy and for us to all just be purple people. It's fact of a matter of acknowledging the existence and everything that you come with. Acknowledge the difference. There's no significance on your skin the, because the you're a human. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, there's no, there's no significance on your skin color because that's mm-hmm. just what you are. Mm-hmm. They see the humanity in you, but they can't exclude that from you. Mm-hmm. That comes with you, mm-hmm. but it's not, it shouldn't make me, it shouldn't, form a new opinion because that's something that comes with mm-hmm. you. I think that's the, the fucked up part about it. That's the, the line that people got to see. But you know, it is what it is. It is it's, what it is. But how can people keep up with you, follow you in any way? Oh, me? Like, oh, like my social media? Yes. Stuff? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, I normally don't really post things, so I don't know if anybody will follow me, but if you want to, <laughs> um, my Instagram is uh, at DL Thrasher. 
Um, you can follow me on Facebook. Look up Dante D O N T E. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thrasher T H R A S H E R. Um, I don't have a Twitter. Don't see myself getting a Twitter because Trump's still on there. Nah. Um, and I have a LinkedIn, but I don't. No, nah, you don't need don't, that. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. <laughs> you all good. I really do think this is going to be a great conversation that people really uh, respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still thinking about a, a, a cool Man, title. We could be here all night, honestly. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, bro. I, I honestly just getting started. I remember that first, the first half of the podcast. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I was a little like, ooh, okay. Yeah, I no, no, yeah. To my group, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I do that. I've, I've been doing it for a minute. I got you, bro. I, I see warm, you comfortable. Yeah, I, I warm, I warm you up in here. I warm you up in here and get you, get you talking. But um, if you don't know now, you know you can listen to the Simply King podcast everywhere podcasts are available. And um, oh, Ryan, you stuck around for the whole time, huh? Appreciate you, bro. Shout out to everybody on XOTV uh, from the XOTV app who who joined in. Um, hope y'all, you guys enjoyed this XOTV. Uh, Recording. If you download right now, you can still listen to this and see, you know, see my guests speak about it live in color, get the reaction, get the feeling, get the vibe, hear us do all the things. You feel me? Um, Sure, I'm not looking too crazy. No, no, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's all good. But no, yes, if you don't know now, you know you can listen to Simply King podcast everywhere podcasts are available from uh, from Google Play to, to SoundCloud to Apple Podcasts, all those things. Um, working with Anchor right now to try to get myself on good old Spotify. Keep on, you know, I'm keeping on with the keeping on, but I'm, it's going to be an update pretty soon. So look out for when that drops. Um, shout out, shout out, shout out to everybody who's been supporting. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, shout out to my man, Dan, and Second Wind Collective. We got a link soon. And um, we're on the road to 100, y'all. It's lit. We about to get to 100 episodes. Big milestone. I'm about to be syndicated. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you know your little TV term. Um, that's when I, I can you know send my little reruns and whatnot. If you if this was a show, if this was a, a TV show. But anywho, make sure you guys uh, support and um, share, share, share all the things, all the things. We're getting to the end of the year, we got to you know tighten up. Let's finish strong. All right. This is the soulfully conscious podcast for humans simply being humans. This is Simply King. Holla at y'all. Let me cut on it